Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. Merry Christmas. God is good. And all the time. Glad that you chose to worship with us today. Anybody got all your Christmas presents purchased? Wrapped under the tree? Everything is good to go. How many of you are last minute shoppers? All right. Very good. I'm, I'm definitely a last-minute shopper. I usually, you know, get most of my presents done early, and then it's like at the last minute I just want to do more. I want to give more, so I go out and spend more than I should. But anyways, we're glad that you chose to worship with us today. My name is John. I am blessed to serve here at Hallmark and just thankful for you. If I have not had a chance to meet you right after the service, my wife Joy and I will be right in the foyer. We would love to get a moment just to meet you and let you introduce yourself to us. And then also, if you're interested in church membership, today is our Discover Hallmark. And so right after the service, you can uh, meet us in the Family Center. Uh, There will be different people holding signs that say Discover Hallmark. So if you don't know where you're going, ask one of them or ask me or my wife as we will be in the foyer as soon as the service is over. Now, how many of you love Christmas movies? That's all the excitement we got for Christmas movies. All right. How many of you, Christmas movies is not your thing? All right. Boo. Like the Scrooges in the room, all right? The Grinch. How many of you are Grinches? To be honest. Okay. I don't even know what to say, to be honest. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. You, you guys want to know my favorite Christmas movies? Well, before, before I give you my top three, um, we, get, we have to settle dispute. We need, we need to know where we stand as a church today, okay? I think we can come to some kind of unity, doubtful. Okay, so here's the question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie, yes or no? Yes. Let me ask again. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie, yes or no? Okay, as I figured, there's not unity in Christ in the church on this issue. I'm not even going to comment. All right, my top three movies, my favorite, or number three, Home Alone. I love Home Alone. Anybody else make your top five? All right, Home Alone. This will make you feel old. That was, came out 33 years ago. I was in high school when that came out. I'm, I'm old. All right, my second favorite is Elf. I love Elf. I think probably mine is because, do you realize it came out 20 years ago? And my kids were little, so we would watch it all the time. And I have to confess, 20 years ago, I was in Cambodia, and I bought a black market Elf movie <laughs> while it was still in theaters for a dollar. And that was the version my kids watched over and over. And like you see someone walking across the, the video camera. And anyway, so I, maybe mine's skewed with a bit, of, a bit of memories. My number one favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. All right. It came out when I was a freshman in high school in 1947. Some of you may have been a freshman in high school back then. So Christmas at the movies, it always brings a lot of memories. You can see Stefan and the creative team. Didn't they do a great job decorating the stage? And, you know, 
I, I wish this was the size of my TV screen in my living room above the fireplace. It's not quite that large, but um, we're going to be kind of each week for the next few weeks looking at maybe a clip or a storyline from a movie and how that can, what kind of spiritual truth can we pull out of that? So our first one this morning is about Blaine Palmer. So watch, watch our screen. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Can we give the Grinch a hand? His heart grew three times. I, I wasn't intending to call you out, Blaine. I'm sorry, but you, you raised your hand that you were Grinch. So it just, then as it started describing the Grinch, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it is Blaine. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> he has less hair than the Grinch, he said. So the question this morning that I want us to wrestle with, that I want you to wrestle with, because honestly, I've been wrestling with it for a while especially this week as we study this sermon, is how's your heart? Right? The issue of the Grinch was that his heart was two sizes too small. And I think for us this morning as we talk about this question and wrestle with this question, how's your heart? Or we could say don't be a, what is it? Grinch. Don't be a Grinch. Before I get into this text this morning, you, want, you might want to find your way to Matthew chapter 6. But in Matthew chapter 6, let me give you a few quotes that may resonate with you. They may not sound like something you want to listen to, honestly. First one, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's a tough quote to think. Anybody know who said that? The second quote this morning, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Anybody know who may have said that? The same person who said the first one. The next third quote, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Some of you thought about that this morning way too long. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Anybody know who said that? I'll give you a hint. He said all three things. And in your Bible, they're probably written in red. 
So who said those three things? Jesus did. You know, the Bible talks about prayer around 500 times. It talks about faith about 500 times, but it talks about money around 2,000 times. Scholars tell us that around 25% of Jesus' teachings were on this subject of money. And Jesus says some words in Matthew chapter 6 that reveal that how we handle our money or where we send our money or what we do with our money and our possessions is a barometer of our heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And in this text, in Matthew chapter 6, so we're, we're kind of jumping in the middle of a sermon. Jesus is preaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says he sat down on the side of a mount and he began to teach and what we have now termed years later as the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 7, the last verse of chapter 7, it says that he was done teaching and the people were astonished at his teaching because of his authority, that he had much more authority than the scribes or the Pharisees. So right in the middle of this sermon, right in the middle of this teaching, we get this section in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, that Jesus is wanting us as followers of Jesus to test our heart. How's your heart? Don't be... A Grinch. And before we get into this test this morning, I would say this. If, if you are not a follower of Jesus, as Stephanie mentioned, as the music we listened to mentioned, Jesus came to make your heart whole. Jesus came to give you new life. As we celebrate Christmas, as many use the word Advent, Advent simply means coming, the first arrival of Christ. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Jesus, born of a virgin, Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. Humanity, uh, excuse me, uh, God became humanity. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And why did he do that? Because our sin separates us from a holy, righteous God. And if we die in our sin, as we would term this morning with a dark heart, then the Bible teaches us that if we die in our sins and we have not confessed in faith in Jesus Christ, that we will spend an eternity paying for our sin. We will spend an eternity in torment because we chose not to give our life to Jesus Christ. So before we get into the teaching of generosity and how's your heart, I would say the most important question that each of us need to answer this morning is, have you given your heart to Jesus? If you haven't given your heart to Jesus, the rest of the teaching is really not for you. But the most important thing you can hear today is that if you die in your sins and you have not placed your faith in Jesus, you will forever be separated from God. As Stephanie mentioned this morning, you are valuable. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I would challenge you this morning, if you never place your faith in Jesus Christ, to do that today. If you're not sure how to do it at the close of the service, come talk to me. It's very simple. Crowd to Jesus and say, I give you my life. So I'm going to assume that the rest of us, this teaching is for us, like for followers of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse number 19. We see two commands very quickly. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, here's the key verse, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So I'm going to ask you three questions this morning. We're going to walk through these pretty quick, okay? They're very simple questions. I want you to wrestle with, all right? This is your, your heart check. Don't be a Grinch. Number one, the, every one of these is going to have three simple words, here or there. Here or there. Okay, so in verse 19, he says, don't lay up yourself treasures on earth. All right, now listen, Jesus is not against you saving. He's not against you planning. He's not against money. He's not against wealth. But Jesus is against hoarding. We in America have a problem with accumulating way too much stuff. Did you guys this week, when you drove around town, wherever you might live, did you think what we really need right now in our community is another storage unit facility? Did you guys think that? It's one of the biggest businesses. It's one of the easiest financial businesses to get involved in. Why is that? Because we have too much junk. Do you realize that currently, and, and this, I, there's no way to get current stats on storage units because there's always a new one getting built. But did you know that everyone in America right now could fit inside of a, our storage units? Everyone in America could fit inside of storage units and have a seven square foot space. Do you think we have too much stuff, yes or no? Some of you are, I'm not even going to say it. Listen to this quote. This is really, um, I don't know what it is, heavy, alarming truth. It's from a French philosopher. I don't even know how to say his last name, but Jean. In the Western world, materialism has become the new dominant system of what's the next word? That's a heavy word, isn't it? We get our significance, our value, our purpose. Materialism. Atheism hasn't replaced cultural Christianity. Shopping has. So we get this two commands. Don't lay up treasures on earth. The next verse, do lay up treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Listen to this statement. Your financial transactions have eternal implications. You believe that, yes or no? If you're a giver, you believe it. As Stephanie mentioned, we've, you have given this past week almost $20,000 to help uh, the Hoyts buy a vehicle in Niger. Stephanie, as she stood up here, mentioned that she has experienced this. I remember in, in, in 2017, in Southeast Asia, watching the people receive their van that you guys had given money to for the first time. And I heard them in Mandarin call out. I had no idea what they're saying, but later it was relayed to me. What they were saying is what they called, what they had named that van as it pulled up at the coffee shop. And I'm sitting there watching this. They named it the gospel van. That van has gone all around the villages 
in Southeast Asia carrying the gospel. So I say your financial decisions have eternal implications. About five weeks from today, I'm going to be standing in Cambodia at a dump site where the poorest of the poor are going to have a church service. And those kids that come to that feeding center who live in a dump site are going to hear about Jesus because people at Hallmark Church give so people can go. Our financial transactions have eternal implications. Where are you storing up treasure, here or there? I'm, I want to give you one last quote. It's a really long one, but shopping. This, this is a book called uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And as I read this book, I was not anticipating him smacking me in the face about my money. I thought we were just talking about time. Okay, Shopping is the new American number one leisure activity. That's probably true. Do you agree with that statement? It gets a little worse, though. It is usurping the place previously held by what? If, if this statement is true, and I believe it is, what is he saying? The new religion of America is what? Shopping. Amazon.com is the new temple. Visa statement is a new altar. Double-clicking is a new liturgy. Lifestyle bloggers are priests and priestesses. Money is the new what? And what were the words of Jesus? You can't serve God and you can't have two masters. It seems what Jesus is teaching us, it seems like what modern philosophy even is teaching us, that you're going to choose a God. It's either going to be the God or it's going to be money. I don't think anywhere in Scripture does God compare a God other than to money. So the reason that we would take time on a Christmas season when we're, I know this is heavy on, like we're all buying. Did you know that 42% of Americans buy Christmas cards on credit cards, by the way? Doesn't that really play into the fact that shopping is our God? I could continue, but I'm, I'm going to, for your sake, move on, okay? Here or there. Where are you storing up your treasure? Where are you storing up your treasure? Number two, good or bad. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And I would just, to simplify, what does this mean? Your, your eye is good, is your eye bad? Is it full of light? Is it full of dark? We say that Jesus is talking about a perspective. Okay, it, it ties into here or there, good or bad is my perspective, all right? So if I have a good perspective, then I have an eternal perspective. If I have an eternal perspective, then I'm gonna have a healthy perspective. If I have a healthy perspective, I'm gonna have a generous perspective. When I realize that if I make a small sacrifice here to give so that a kid in Cambodia who lives in a dump site can hear about Jesus, boy, it sure changes my perspective on giving. But if my eye be bad, and I would say then that would be temporal, focused on me, 
unhealthy, not generous, maybe even stingy. Good or bad, if you see God as stingy with you, you'll be stingy with God. If you see God as generous with you, you'll be generous with God. Your perspective, right? So here or there, where are you, where are you, are you hoarding or are you storing? Good or bad? Number three, God or money? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, either hate the one and love the other, or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Stanley Jones says this, money is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Tim Keller says this, your money flows most effortlessly towards your heart's greatest love. You know, a few years ago, I, I'm, I will say this, I am so thankful that my wife Joy and I, we were raised by parents who taught us to give generously. They taught us to tithe when we were very little. You know, back when, when our uh, allowance for the month was a dollar and we would give 10 cents in the offering to tithe. And I'm thankful that they taught my, my wife and I, both of our parents taught us to tithe. I'm, I'm so thankful for that because it would be much more difficult for me to learn as a 19-year-old, newly married, trying to attend Bible college and pay all my bills. It would have been rough time to learn how to tithe at that point. I'm thankful I already knew how to tithe. A few years ago, though, one of the church members here challenged me to do more than tithe. And I began to really start praying about this and thinking through this. And I started, I kind of had a personal goal that every month and every year that my greatest expenditure would be to the church, not to anything else. And, and I'm thankful that God has allowed my wife and I to do that. And can I tell you, it's not always easy Can I tell you that there's some things that we would like to have that we've chosen not to have? There's been, I won't say big sacrifices because I don't really think too many of us in America have big sacrifices. But sacrifices are sacrifices, small or big. Do you agree with that? There are things that we have said no to so that we could try to be generous. And I'm thankful for that. And in a few weeks, we're going to spend some time in Cambodia. We're going to hop over to Thailand. And we're going to see in Thailand this couple, Setone is his name. Kung Kao, I think, is how you pronounce his last name. About 22 years ago, they came to our church and presented what their ministry was in Thailand. And this church decided we're going to partner with them. Some of the money that you give, we're going to send to Thailand, to this Thai couple. And you know, in the last 22 years, they've started five churches in Thailand. Isn't that amazing? 
Did you know that some of the money that I give goes to Thailand, Cambodia, China, Kenya, Vietnam, North Korea. We help partner with someone who goes in and out of North Korea who was arrested for 11 months but still goes into North Korea to share Jesus. You can't be too generous with God. You're you're not gonna stand before the Lord when you get to heaven and say, I really regret giving that extra money so that kid in Cambodia could have a meal. But you may stand before the Lord and say, I really regret not giving the money so that kid in Cambodia could have a meal. I'm gonna invite one of our board members to come up here this morning, Bobby Moore. And I told Bobby I wouldn't give his age away, but you know, Bobby has been a member of Hallmark since he was one years old. He's, yeah, you give him a hand. And he spent the only, the only time in his life other than you know, the first year of his life, and then he spent seven years serving in the military. Can we thank him for serving in the military? But uh, I'll give you that. Bobby has, uh, Bobby has faithfully served on the board at Hallmark off and on. You know, he does a three-year rotation, then they have to sit a year, and then he does gets voted back in, serves another three years. And every year when we meet and do our budget committee, so usually in October and in November, we meet with some of the board members. Bobby, when he's on the board, almost always in the budget committee because he is a financial wizard. Yeah, he's a number cruncher. I'm not that. But almost every year when we're in those meetings and we're praying about the next year's budget for this church, Bobby will always share his testimony of how God brought him to the understanding of giving. And so I asked Bobby if he would just share a little bit about that with you. And I, and I want you to know, you know, as a board member of Hallmark, you know, you'll be voting on new board members in January. When you get that ballot and you see those names of those men on the, on the ballot, you have to know this, that they, their name will not be on that ballot if they don't tithe and they don't give to missions. That's a core value of Hallmark, radical generosity. It's in our bylaws that they cannot serve unless they faithfully give and faithfully serve. So when you, I'm just letting you know that are new members, when you see that ballot, you know these men have been vetted and they're godly men who are generous uh, because it's a core value of ours. I'll stop talking and let Bobby talk. All right, Bobby, go ahead. Pastor John asked me to share my um, testimony of giving. Um, Our story, Christy and I, started 23 years ago. And the story is kind of, it started out a little rough. Um, Back in 2000, Christy and I were married. And um, in that same year, 2000, I um, graduated from college. Also got my first job out of college. with that new income, uh, with that job, finally started making some money. Um, but uh, with that new income, we got into our first mortgage, and we also bought our first new car. And um, I remember in that the first couple of years of our marriage, it was a struggle. Um, it was a struggle from month month to month to to make ends meet, kind of set ourselves up in a bind there. Um, but then 
and we would give our offering, but it was, um, you know, it was just what we could afford at the end of the month. Uh, it was, you know, uh, it was a comfortable amount for us, and which wasn't mon- it wasn't much mon- monthly. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the first fruits that we're asked to give, and it's, it wasn't um, even a fraction of what we should have been given um, for our tithe. So fast forward about a year and a half, Christy, um, you know, in a conversation, she said, I, I feel like we need to start tithing. And I remember shrugging her off, not once, twice, maybe three times, and shutting her down and saying, it's just not in the budget. We don't have that money. It's, it's not a possibility right now. And, but she kept at it. And maybe four or five, six times, we had the conversation. And um, when I look back at that, or think back to that time, I think, you know, that was so the Holy Spirit because Christy, it was out of her character to really bring it up over and over again when I kind of shot her down from the beginning. And um, so out of frustration, I said, okay, we're going to test God. And when I said that, right after it exited my mouth, I remember regretting saying, we're going to test God because <laughs> the fear of God instantly entered my soul. Um, but I remember that, you know, w- what I was expecting over the next couple of months was um, a financial mess, you know. We, we did, I think we looked at our needs and wants, but I was thinking over that next couple of months, I was expecting to see the worst. And what what I saw was a miracle. Um, over that couple of months, I was surprised to see what happened. What, what I saw was Christie's step of faith ended up being showing or letting us discover God's faithfulness and his sovereignty over our life. So, you know, my job at that time, I was a financial analyst. You know, I was supposed to, I was, uh, you know, my job was to, to track and manage money. That was my job. And I thought I knew our budget, our personal budget, but God, what, what I didn't know, or God taught me what I didn't know. And... Um, he helped me discover that I was more focused on the, the temporal things of life rather than the eternal. I was focused on the, the material things and, and my personal needs rather than God's God and the needs of others. So the, the rest of the story goes, um, it was uh, you know a year and a half later, we had, let me back up, we had two incomes and struggling to make ends meet. A year and a half later, Christy asked me to um, stay at home with our children. And I, I thought, my first thought was absolutely not. But then I started thinking, God, you know, had been speaking to me. And I started connecting my head with my heart, or he did. And I thought, well, that's something that God would probably want. So... Long story short, she, she stayed home, one income for 15 years, 
four kids later, God provided through that whole time. And, and if I hadn't gone through it and if I'd heard it from someone, I, I wouldn't believe it probably. But I experienced it myself. I had a really good handle on the numbers, I thought, but God had a better handle on it. So um, if you're struggling, you know, if you're a young married couple, you're struggling with whether or not to commit to tithing, or if you're, you know, you've never tithed before and, and, uh, and, and, and you, you're thinking about making that step, um, I encourage you to take that small step of faith and maybe see God's faithfulness in the process. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Bobby. Bottom, bottom line is as we think about these questions is, are, are you hoarding or storing? You can hoard up here or you can store heavenly rewards, right? Are you thinking from an eternal perspective or temporal perspective? Is God in control or are you in control? As Bobby said, well, I, well, I just trust God. Test God because I don't see anywhere else in scripture where God asks us to test him except in the area of money. He said, test me and see if I don't prove to be faithful. So my my perspective on giving, whether I'm like the Grinch and I'm stingy or I'm generous, really comes down to an area of trust. Do I trust that God is good and that God is faithful? And then while I trust him until he proves it. And, and again, I think of the words of Paul. When Paul said, I'm not desiring you to send money because I need it. Okay, so I'm not desiring that you work or that you give at Hallmark because we need it. But Paul said, I'm desiring that you would learn to be generous because there'll be a fruit added to your account. In other words, in, in five weeks, when you start seeing the pictures of our team in Cambodia and the dump site, some of you are gonna be like, I had a part in that. And some of you will not be able to say, I had a part in that. And so my heart for you is that you would not miss the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing at Hallmark, in our own community. Yesterday, we had a great team that came out in the cold Saturday morning and handed out food. I just wanna say thank you to all of you. I'll be, can I give you my, uh, my own um, um, cynicism for a moment? I thought when early, I think it was April, we started this mobile food bank and that first Saturday, there were so many volunteers that helped. And I assumed by the time we got to December, we would have about 10 of us and most of it would be staff members. I was so wrong. You guys are awesome. There's people out here serving, giving food, and you know how we can do that? Because people are generous. And some of you had a part in that, whether you showed up or not, because you gave. And some of you, you didn't. That's what Paul is challenging us with. I want you to give so that you can be blessed. 
And I believe the greatest barometer of your heart is what you do with your money. Follow the money trail and it will reveal your heart. Can I ask you to close your eyes for a moment as the worship team comes this morning? And this morning, I just want you to wrestle with it in your own life. How, how is your heart? Would you consider yourself generous towards God? And if you're not, what do you suppose the reason is? In a moment, I'm going to have you stand and we're going to sing a last song of worship and it really talks about surrender. I'm going to, I'm going to surrender everything to you, Lord. And as is usual, when we're singing this last song, the altar is open. And, and I would encourage you, maybe some of you this morning, you need to just come down and use this opportunity at the altar to say, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Your testimony is just like Bobby and Christie's, that at some point you took a step of faith and you just want to say, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Maybe it'd be just this morning an opportunity to say thank you. Maybe this morning it's your opportunity to come down and pray and say, God, I want to check my heart. Forgive me for not being generous. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, help each of us in our own lives, Lord, as we think about our heart, to realize you are the greatest giver of all time. God, you so loved us that you gave your one and only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, you've not only given us life, you have provided eternal life. And I pray that spirit of generosity that you've placed in us would, would be evident. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, the busyness of all that goes on, that we would continually surrender and make room for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship through song this morning.